In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Good evening and welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors go to share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, Ben Hogan Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, Two Under, the Salt Creek Golf Retreat, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, and Superspeed Golf. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and thank you for coming back and joining me tonight here on Next on the Tee. How you doing? How you doing in the afterglow of the masses? Are you happy? Are you riding the wave of Tiger Mania? Well, I certainly marvel at, you know, at his greatness, at the greatness that he displays in his game. I'm not a fan of the man, but I certainly respect how great he plays the game of golf and, you know, simply getting himself back to the top, really. I mean, you think about where he's come from to where he is now and all of the issues and would he ever play again, just period. Would he ever play the game of golf again, let alone win a tournament, which he did obviously last year at the Tour Championship and now coming back and winning a major. It, uh, it really, truly is astounding. And uh, another great uh, Masters golf tournament. Tiger did exactly what he needed to do. All the guys around him certainly made their share of mistakes to fall and uh, and give him an opportunity to drive through. And he did, right? He played smart, plotted along, mixture of birdies and bogeys, but no doubles. A final round 70, not spectacular, but again, it's all he needed to do in order to win. And right now this adds to his lore and his great career, a fifth green jacket, Planning himself firmly, one behind Jack and, and ahead of Arnold Palmer now. But uh, now what do we do? We, we turn our heads to the PGA Championship coming up next month at, Bed, at uh, Beth Page Black, another course that Tiger ha- has had success at in the past. So who knows where he goes from here, but it's certainly going to be fun to watch. On to tonight's show. And, folks, I'm very excited. i got two wonderful guests that I get to share with you tonight, one relatively new friend and one who has been with me since the very beginning of the show. And my first guest tonight is going to be Symmetra Tour Pro Natalie Sheary. Nat joined me for the first time back in early December. We're four events into this year's Symmetra Tour season. And Natalie, oh, by the way, is leading the tour in driving accuracy in greens and regulation. So we're going to talk about that. Plus, as a Wake Forest alumni, right, She, you, know, you look at what happened just here recently, just right before the Masters tournament, we had the Augusta National Women's Amateur Championship, which was won by fellow Demon Deacon, Jennifer Cupcho. So we'll talk about that event as well. We'll talk about life out on the Symmetra Tour, what her plans are for the rest of the season, and I'm sure a whole lot more. Looking forward to having Natalie with me here in just a few minutes. Following her, I'm going to get a return visit from one of the great teachers in the game. That is four-time Tri-State Teacher of the Year and three-time Horton Smith Award winner, Eric Johnson. Eric's been a great friend of the show over the last five years, been with me since very early on, and tonight's going to make his 13th appearance with me on the show, so really indebted to Eric for all he has brought every single time he comes on the show. We're going to talk a little bit about the Masters, get Eric's thoughts on that, plus 
I got my annual buddies trip coming up next week, so I need a few more playing lessons before I get out there. So we'll uh, try to get a few of those from Eric as well. And it's always so much fun when Eric is a part of the show. So looking forward to having him join me a little bit later on in this half hour. So, folks, a lot more great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Teen. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. But before we get started, I always like to remind you about my good friend Mitch Lawrence and his podcast, Talking Golf Getaways. He and his co-host, Darren Bunch, let you know about great places to stay, play, and even eat and drink while you're there. Again, their show is called Talking Golf Getaways. It's moved over to a new site, Golf Trip X, and that's the letter X for experts. So, GolfTripX.com. Go there, check out their show, and learn about some of the hidden gem courses that we have around the country. His twin brother, Matthew, also has a great golf show. It's called Backspin Golf, which airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time on WLXG ESPN Radio AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky. That show is so much fun to listen to because Matthew's fantastic, and it's a great way to kick off your Sunday mornings. Again, it's called Backspin Golf, and you can stream it online by going to WLXG.com or do what I did, which is download the WLXG app. And, folks, as you know, we are sponsored here by the French Lick Resort. Please check them out online at FrenchLick.com. Let's hear a word from Steve Rondonero about what they have going on. Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort, the only place in the country where you can play courses by two Hall of Fame designers on the same property. Our Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses offer two very different challenges. Experience them both and save with our Hall of Fame package. Our two historic hotels are unique as well. Cap it off with a fun visit to the French Lick Casino. Check us out online at FrenchLick.com. Bring a group and save even more. Play legendary golf this season at French Lick Resort. Yeah, folks, go online again to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place they have up there and to book your stay as well. I also want to tell you about our good friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan irons since maybe the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor and go out and get a demo iron from either their Fort Worth PTX, new PTX Pro, or Edge irons, and go out on the range and compare it to whatever it is you have. All Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory, so no mass production, no shortcuts. Check them out online by going to BenHoganGolf.com. You're going to be able to go on there and custom make you know, the irons and the wedges that you want by whatever your specifications are, lie angle, whatever it is you need, they're going to build it to your specifications. The best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Check out their complete line of forged irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories online at BenHoganGolf.com. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to BobbyJones.com. Their summer, summer collection is out. Thoughtful selections are rooted in character and endurance. The signature details, colors, and fabrications remind you that you are well on the way to the game you were meant to play on the course and in the course of life. Check out their summer collection online at bobbyjones.com. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends over at Two Under. I want to welcome our newest sponsor, Two Under Men's Performance Briefs, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour. Worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, but that's another story. And your girlfriend and her wife is going to love the side effects, a visibly enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, 
more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market. Use code ONTHET20 to save 20% off your order at twounder.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Symmetra Tour Pro Natalie Sherry. Let me remind you about Natalie's background. She's from West Hartford, Connecticut. She played her college golf at Wake Forest, where she was named 2007 ACC Freshman of the Year for Women's Golf. In 2008, she was named ACC Rookie of the Year and a top 50 female golfer to watch by Golf Week. In 2009, she won the ACC Women's Golf Championship and was named Player of the Year. She won the 2010 Connecticut Women's Open and was a medalist at the LPGA Futures Tour Q School. 2011, Golf Week named her a third-team All-American, and she was the recipient of the Ed Wilson Award for Academic Excellence. She finished eighth that, eighth that season in the NCAA Championship. She ended her college career with a 74.43 scoring average, which is fourth best time at Wake Forest. Joined the Symmetra Tour in 2012. She won the 2016 WB Mason Championship at Thorny Lee Golf Club up in Brockton, Massachusetts. She So far, to this point in her career, she's got 14 top 10 finishes. And uh, I'm very excited that she's back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Nat, thanks for coming back on the show. How have you been? Hey, Chris, how are you? Thank you so much for having me again. I'm great. How Absolutely. You? I'm good. I know when we were communicating earlier this week, you told me you're out in Las Vegas right now. What's going on? What's got you out there? I am out here. Um, I am with, actually, Nike Golf. Obviously, it's a little bit and I'm going to Forest. We're in Nike school. And it's just really nice to be recognized and supported by them. So I now wear all Nike attire, whether it's in the gym or on the golf course. And they're having an event out here, out in Vegas, playing some really nice golf courses. They asked me if I could just kind of show up and hang with everybody and play as well. And it worked out absolutely perfect. We have an off week this week. Usually I go home up to Connecticut during my off week to see my family. And still kind of cold up there. Some of the courses aren't even opened. So it was absolutely perfect to come out here just to get some good reps in. I got to believe everybody at Nike's all abuzz about Tiger's win at the Masters. What's a, what's the talk like out there? Oh, yes, it's buzzing for sure. You know, all of us arrived on Sunday, obviously, when Tiger won. Um, you know, that obviously, I mean, it's a long time coming. You know, like people, as you mentioned earlier, people weren't even sure if he was going to be able to play again, you know, let alone win. And he did a great job last year getting back into the winner's circle and then to win the Masters. And I'm sure you guys have all seen the videos of him, you know, hugging his son first and his daughter and, you know, his mom. You know, what a great feeling that must be for him. He's worked so hard, you know, in order to be back at that point. And, you know, hats off to him. What a great job. And now speaking of the Masters and Augusta National, how excited were you to watch the Augusta National Women's Amateur event and see your fellow Wake Forest Demon Deacon Jennifer Cupcho win that event. That had to be fantastic. Yes, it was awesome. We were actually, I had an event um, in Northern California and rain coming through. So I was set to tee off at 4.30 in the afternoon on Saturday. So that morning I was sitting on the West Coast. Things were on, you know, slightly earlier and I was able to watch her finish up and I think she shot like five under the last round to win it. So she played spectacular golf, you know, obviously on a great golf course and history being made two, actually eight days, 
you know, like in between each other, having a female tournament there and having a Wake Forest, you know, fellow Demon Deacon win and then having Tiger make history just eight days later is super cool and such a great golf course. What do you think that event does now for women's golf? Is that going to give women's golf a boost, do you think? Oh, for sure. I mean, obviously, being being able to play that golf course, as tough enough as it is, and being a female in the past, it was not an option. So for them to host a tournament there um, and, you know, have such a great – I mean, it was on TV, which was fantastic. They had a great following. I don't know if, if you guys saw, but the galleries were actually quite large for that. I think it's just, you know, going to grow the game so much and, you know, to be able to play junior golf and then be able to get invited to play something like that is just unreal, something that I never thought that I'd see anytime soon. And it's just so great that they were able to do that. And right before the Masters, what a perfect time. Have you had an opportunity to communicate with Jennifer at all since she won? I have not talked to her. I did see her obviously finish up. And it was awesome when she walked off 18 towards the scoring tank. The whole Wake Forest team was there, all, you know, like all the girls, the new coach, my old coach, um, Daly was there. So I did reach out to Coach Daly right away, and I was like, wow, for you to be there, for you to see Jen play so well and just be at Augusta, that must have been a fantastic feeling. And she was just, you know, like, Jen played great. It was so awesome, you know, to have to see what a great 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 experience especially before she turns pro very soon yeah and it's interesting because i was out on the grounds on uh on the monday for the practice round and i happened to get an opportunity thanks to my good friend rob strano to meet jerry haas the men's the wake forest men's golf coach out there as well i mean um he he seemed to be very excited you know for her and, and for the win and you know what it means for the program in general. So, uh, yeah, he was pretty excited. Do you ever, you ever have an opportunity to talk to Coach Oz? Oh, of course. You know, he's a great supporter, obviously, of Wake Forest, having Jerry go there. Um, he has been at Wake Forest for quite a long time. He was obviously there the four years that I was there, from 2007 to 2011. And he always spent time walking past the girls, talking to us, being able to just give some insight. Some insight. He's a fantastic player and a phenomenal coach. So the way that he just helps explain stuff and just get like a different point of view was really, really cool. And the fact that he, you know, took the time to help us out, even it's just in passing, just to, you know, make small talk and then end up throwing, you know, some really cool like advice in there as well. This is a really cool thing. I mean, that's him as a person, just a great person, great for the program, and he's just a huge fan of Wake Forest sports, so he is awesome for our program. And and as great as it was for Tiger to get the win and for, obviously, everybody there at Nike, I have to imagine you're rooting a little bit for Webb Simpson, another Wake Forest alumni. What what would that have been like, right, to have Jennifer win and then, you know, you to come back and and uh, see Webb win, and boy, it would have been a heck of a, a Wake Forest uh, triumph for the weekend. But uh, were you rooting a little bit for Webb? Oh, of course. And I think he played he played all right the final day. Obviously, he had a great, I think it was second or third round that put him right up there. Um, right. He, he's obviously played really well since turning pro. Um, I did have the opportunity to be at Wake Forest while he was there. I was a freshman and he was a senior. 
So, yes, to be able to turn on the TV and see someone who you know personally doing so well at such a prestigious event is something really cool. So if he had pulled that off, that would have been fantastic. Obviously, Tiger winning was also great and great for, you know, for the game. So you can't have everything, but I am happy with how it turned out. <laughs> right. So now moving on to this season out on the Symmetra Tour, I was looking at your stats so far this season and through four events and you've, you, that you've played in, you're leading the tour in driving accuracy, hitting 93% of the fairways. You're number one in greens and regulation at 87%. Got to be feeling pretty good about the status of your game so far. I am very happy with it. Uh, this off season, obviously, I was down in Orlando again. I worked with my coach, Andy O'Brien, and we got some things tightened up that we wanted to address before the season starts. Because Obviously, the off season we have a fairly large chunk of time to be able to work on things. And that stuff is still working out well. Obviously, I'm working extremely hard on putting. And I've had a lot of great support with that. Um, it's actually, you know, the game of golf is so great that we are able to play against other people, but they also want to help. It's just the nature, of, you know, like of the game. So I actually even have like a few players. I have one player who's a good friend of mine who now she coaches um, for college, coaches for UAB. Um, but she'll see my, you know, like my, like videos I post on social media and, you know, make a comment or she'll ask me to send me or send her some, you know, short putting videos, all that good stuff, just to see how everything's, you know, moving along. And it's just so cool. So to have support from several people who know that that's a part of my game that I'm working extremely hard on feels really, really good. And I think that this will be a great year for that. And speaking of your putting, I happened to look at some of the videos that you do post out there on social media, and it looks like you've got a putting aid that you're working with. Are, are you finding that it, it's working well? Talk about the things that you're doing and the drills you're doing to try to get your putting where you want it to be. Sure. So actually, speaking of that uh, player as well, um, I've been working a lot on setups. I think so many times we try to find fault in our full, full swing, short game, even down to putting and we're trying to always search for things, how we can get better and all that. And sometimes the the thing that's off is always like the smallest little thing. And setup is so important. I kind of got away, I got a little bit sloppy with my setup and I just bought a mirror, something super simple off of Amazon. And to be able to find where I'm super comfortable, know where my eyes are, um, and just know that I'm practicing the same stance every time, same ball position, same distance from the ball, um, really, really helped a lot this year. You know, we've had four tournaments so far. I've obviously made the cut in all four. I've had a chance to do quite well in two out of the four. So I think that things are really starting to come together. I know that it's a process, but sometimes just those simple tools are just working on the basics, as I call it, makes all the difference in the world. So, Nat, with all that in mind, looking ahead to the rest of the 2019 season, do you have specific goals outlined for yourself? What are you trying to achieve, achieve so when you look back at this season, you're going to say, you know what, I, I did the things that I wanted to do? Right. I mean, obviously, my goal long-term at the end of the season is to be the top 10, which moves on to the LPGA Tour. Obviously, so, you know, I'd love to be back playing out there with the best of the best. But it's always the small goals that you have to work on first, the day by days, knowing that what you're working on each day is moving you closer 
uh, you know, every single day that, you know, 1% better every single day type of deal. But, um, I guess the biggest things are obviously putting, but to be able to just, you got to keep working on long game. You got to hit the fairways, got to hit the greens, but it's not just hitting the greens. It's about how many birdie opportunities are, you know, you giving yourself, are you missing, in the proper areas to give yourself the best opportunities for up and downs. There's small goals that we set each week, depending on each course and how it plays, the weather conditions, you know, the pin locations. So each day I will have a certain goal, um, you know, whether it be three under a side or, you know, birdie one out of every three holes just to kind of sweat it up because 18 is a lot of holes and it's easy to get sidetracked out there since you're out there for quite a long time. All those day by day goals, I feel like if you pick something specific to work on, all those and, and you try to reach it every single day, you'll just you know, keep getting better and better and better and better and then you'll reach the ultimate goal. So now what's what's your go to shot? What's the one shot when you're standing over it with a certain club in your hands that you feel hundred percent confident in? I work on everything so much that I don't I will not stand up over, you know, like a single shot, not feeling 100% confident and committed. Um, if I feel like I'm nervous off the tee, I will, I have a go-to shot, I guess. I will tee down a driver and just hit a punch shot. It ends up going just as far as a full swing, but because it goes, a, you know, like a tiny bit lower, it has no room to get offline. And I'll even hit knockdown shots going into a pin. Even if there's not a lot of wind, if I feel, you know, a tiny bit nervous or maybe I've hit a few left and I just want to make sure that I give myself birdie opportunity on the next. Sometimes it's not all about making the prettiest swings or making, you know, like the prettiest ball flight. It's about getting it in the hole in as few strokes as possible. So you just sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah, right. And now, you know, from a strategy perspective, and you were sort of alluded to this a moment ago. But when you're out on the golf course, you know, do you, based on where the pins are at, when you have a plan going in, this is a par hole, I need to, you know, put it in the middle of the green or whatever, get my par and, and get on. This is a hole I can attack and I can, you know, be more aggressive and go at this pin. Do you set that strategy up beforehand, before your round is, isn't underway, or does that change depending on how you've performed at whatever point it is in the round? I don't think it changes based on the previous holes. I'm not the type of player. They do post our pin sheets online on social media the night before. I am not one of those players who looks at it to try to figure out the game plan. I kind of want to know more on the spot because if there is maybe a hole that doesn't really fit my eye and then they put a really tight pin, I don't want to be waiting all around for that hole that I've had in my mind, you know, just putting un, you know, necessary pressure on myself. But um, um, obviously every hole can be a birdie opportunity. You never know when you're going to chip in, make a long putt, do whatever. But based on maybe where the pin is, I may try to hit left center of the fairway, right center of the fairway for the best angle to give myself the best chance for a birdie opportunity. But um, I don't know. I'm not worried about par hole. You know, I'm not worried, like, oh, my gosh, this is such a hard hole, you know, par hole. I know that I've worked on my long game enough. I know that I work on my short game enough that I'm going to try to go as close as I can to the flagstick. And if it doesn't work out, that's why we practice short game. I'm going to give my, I, I will have the best opportunity to get up and down and make a par that way and then just move on to the next. Playing scared is not a way to play. You know, we work hard enough that you shouldn't be afraid of certain shots. You shouldn't be afraid of certain holes. 
you know, that's when bogeys start happening. So now when you arrive at the golf course that morning for whatever round number it happens to be, what what's your daily routine like? How do you set up your day so you're ready when uh, when it's your tea time? Sure. So in the morning, um, I will get to the course just a few minutes early just in case it's chilly that morning or, you know, obviously I haven't been to the gym or anything like that, so I need to warm up my body. I will go to the course. I try to get there early enough. I, I like to do putting first. I like to putt first, and then I'll hit balls, and then from hitting balls, I'll go right to the tee. I think a lot of people will hit balls, and then they'll do some putts, and then they'll go to the tee. But if you putt for 15, 20 minutes, to, to me, that's 15, 20 minutes that, you know, your muscles are starting to get cold again. I want to keep them as loose as possible. So, to be honest, my morning and afternoon rounds are very, very similar. Some girls may go to the gym before their 2 p.m. tea time. Um, I have a hard time going to the gym and taking it easy, so I just would rather just do stuff in my room, whether it's staying in the hotel or staying in a host family, just kind of like roll out using a foam roller. Maybe I'll go to the course a tiny bit early, see the PT, have them stretch me out or something like that. But um, same routine, same, you know, short game, long game, then tee box. I get there about, I step onto the practice facility about an hour before my tee time. And if I'm feeling a little bit tight, then I'll show up a little bit earlier and see the PT and all that. But I won't start practicing until 55 minutes to 60 minutes before I'm, you know, before it's go time. Not just a couple more before I let you go. And, and you mentioned host family a minute ago. And we talked a little bit about this last time, about what life is like out on the Symmetra Tour. You logged about 29,000 miles on your car, I believe it was last year. And Sometimes you're staying in a hotel, sometimes you're staying with a host family. But remind our listeners and for those that uh, weren't around last time what life is like out on the Symmetra Tour. Sure. So we drive a lot of places. Obviously, we had two West Coast events the last two weeks, so I did not drive from Florida out there. But um, I try to drive you know, anywhere that I can, flight delays, flight you know, cancellations, um, not being able to bring everything because, you know, you're super limited with the two to three bags, certain amount of weight on them. Traveling from March until October, it's so imperative to have everything that you need to feel super comfortable for all those months. So driving is what makes most sense to me. I try to stay in host families whenever I can. Uh, not only does it help with the cost of staying in a hotel every single week for we have 24 events this season, Obviously, that adds up quite a bit. But staying in host families, being able to have their support. Um, obviously, I've been playing this much tour for a few years, back and forth between LPGA. So I do know a lot of families that I will repeat and go back the next year or, you know, the year after. So it's great. It's so great to see everybody and just be able to play golf, come home, have, you know, people there who love the game as well, want nothing but the best for you, support They'll sometimes, you know, watch you play or maybe I've actually had my host dad caddying for me or my host mom caddying for me at events. So to have that support is just awesome. Um, and it really makes life out on the road just a little bit easier. Obviously, I see the girls every single day practicing, but it's nice to come home and just chat with some other people every once in a while. So now what's your schedule look like over the next couple of weeks? I know you get with the uh, the Murphy USA El Dorado shootout is coming up in Arkansas. We've got the event here in Atlanta, the IOA Invitational out in Milton. 
Are you going to be playing in both of those events? Are you playing a full schedule? I am playing a full schedule, but for the first time ever, I am going to be missing a Symmetra event um, for some other tournament that is not LPGA. During, I think, uh, last time I was on the show, I mentioned how I was caddying during the off-season to help make money to play right. this for this season. And while at Bay Hill, one of the groups that requested me was the Prince of Morocco. So I got to spend wow. 18 holes with him and his entourage and crew. And I thought that was really nice that they asked me to be, you know, like a part of that group. And at the end, they asked me if I wanted to play the ladies uh, European tour event, the LAT event in Morocco. And I was like, sure, why not? Not really thinking that anything would really come of it. And then a few days later, I got an email just to confirm. And so instead of playing the Arkansas event in uh, El Dorado, I am actually flying out this Saturday to Morocco, um, courtesy of the Royal Family, to play in my first LET event, which I think will be really cool. I've heard nothing but great things about that event. Golf is so huge over there. But the other cool thing is it's at a golf course with 36 holes. So the ladies are on 18, and actually the men's uh, European tour event will be on the other 18. So we'll share the same, you know, clubhouse, hospitality, all that kind of stuff. So I think it will be a super cool experience and, you know, yet another great opportunity that this game, you know, has given me. So although I will not be playing a special event next week, I will be playing and it will be in Morocco. That's awesome. Good for you. That I look forward to hearing the stories about that next time. Now, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you online or on social media? Sure. So social media is the big thing. I am on Instagram almost daily, trying to show behind the scenes, day in life, all that good stuff. I have Facebook, you know, Twitter as well. Um, those are all just at Nat Sherry, S-I-N-A-T-S-H-E-A-R-Y. And then, obviously, every week you can go on to LPGA.com, and there will be a link for Symmetra Tour, or you can go to SymmetraTour.com, and you can follow hole by hole. They have live scoring. You can see the stats and all that good stuff, see the scorecard at the end of the round with fairways, greens, putts, and all that good stuff so that you can feel like you're also part of the mix. Nat, thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. It's been great catching up with you. I wish you a ton of success. Look forward to hearing about the Morocco trip and then the rest of the season out on the Symmetra Tour. But I uh, can't thank you enough for your time. Look forward to hopefully getting you back on the show again real soon. Sounds good. And hopefully I will see you in ATL for the Symmetra event. That's right. Looking forward to it. Take care, Nat. Awesome. All the best thank to you and your you family. So we'll catch up soon. I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you again. All right. You bet, Nat. That's Natalie Sheary. And be sure to follow her on uh, on Instagram and on uh, and on Twitter. Great stuff out of her. And again, look, look, folks. I mean, she's number one in driving accuracy, number one in greens and regulation so far. Certainly setting herself up for a great season out there on the Symmetra Tour. Looking forward to catching up with her again real soon. It's always a lot of fun when she's a part of the show. And uh, she is certainly an up-and-comer. I'm sure we're going to be seeing her out on the LPGA Tour very, very soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Eric Johnson, I want to remind you about a couple of our sponsors. First, and well, folks, I mean, TaylorMade, right? TaylorMade Golf has done it again. The all-new TaylorMade M5 and M6 drivers have arrived, and boy, what a story. They are both featuring speed-injected twist space created through a a revolutionary manufacturing process where every single head, and I do mean every single head, 
is injected and calibrated to the threshold of the legal limit. You heard David Abelese talk about that process when he was on the show with me a couple of weeks ago. So now basically every head is made to be tour spicy. So speed for all of us. Now available. Check them out online by going to tailormadegolf.com. And this segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back in making his unbelievable 13th appearance with me here on the French Lake Resort guest line is Eric Johnson. Let me remind you about Eric's background. Played his college golf and was a four-year letterman at Mississippi State from 1992 to 1995. He helped them win back-to-back Kroger intercollegiate titles in 94 and 95. Golf Magazine has named Eric a top 100 instructor every year since 2011. He was also recognized by Golf Digest as a top 40 under 40 teacher. He is a four-time Tri-State PGA Teacher of the Year, and that happened in 2005, 8, 11, and just this past year in 2018. He is also a three-time Horton Smith Award winner for his contributions to education, including winning it for a third time back in February. Eric played out on the Canadian Tour, the Sunshine Tour, and the Golden Bear Tour. He was a director of instruction at Oakmont Country Club for many years. He is now the director of instruction at Nemecolin Woods Resort, which, again, I say it every time he comes on the show, looks absolutely spectacular. It's in Farmington, Pennsylvania, just a little southeast of Pittsburgh near the West Virginia border. And not only is Eric one of my favorite guests, but he's one of my favorite people anywhere on the planet. And I'm very excited he's back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. What's up, E? Thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, my man, the most prepared man in radio. I love it. Uh, I'm blushing. I don't know where you find all this stuff, but come on, stop it. I'm blushing. (laughs) Uh, So, dude. A Tri-State PGA Teacher of the Year now for the fourth time. You win the Horton Smith Award, you know, in February. Boy, you are honorable. You're a PGA teaching rock star. Congratulations, my friend. Oh, you know, listen, those awards are great. You know, I don't do this because I want to win awards. That's the last thing. But if some award makes somebody think I know a little more about teaching, then great. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I I don't do it to win awards. I, I do it to help people and and uh those awards are great but you know that's uh i you know that was my fourth horton smith award this year and uh i'm in the uh the finals for the national horton smith award winner for you know the entire pga of america which is very humbling i don't um i don't know what to say uh you know the pga has been great to me and and this game has been been a crazy ride awesome to that end, right? I mean, you go back to the first time you were PGA Teacher of the Year in, in 05. Here you are 13 years later, you're winning the award again. But so much has changed, I have to believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, so much has had to have changed over that 13-year period with instruction and technology and the data and all that sort of stuff. How, has, has things, have things changed for you? Have your instructions changed? Mm-hmm. Have you had to change with all the technology that's, that's come across in the game over the last 13 years? Well, I have, and uh, you know, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, I think the technology is phenomenal. I think it's great. I think it's overused. I think it's being uh, kind of overplayed. Um, you know, the worst lessons I see from young instructors is they stand there and they put the track man on, and they never look at the ball flight, 
they look at the TV screen and they say, oh, yeah, that was six degrees left and the face was four degrees shut or open. And it, and and they're just laughable lessons, you know, but um, I think that technology is great. And we have them all. We have a track man. We have a Sam Putt lab. We have body tracks. We have V1. Uh, so we have it all. But but I, I use it uh, and then I move on. And then I want the student to, you know, really look at ball flight and 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 try to self-analyze a little bit more than instead of just, you know, repeating, you know, random numbers at people. I want them to see the ball flight and and so yeah, I've had to I've had to adapt to a lot of things. I mean, personally, I think that instruction has gotten way too technical, uh, way too technical. Mm-hmm. I mean, period. I mean, you listen to some of these guys on, you know, YouTube and facebook and 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 i just shake my head i go wow that's that's horrendous you know i mean i just it's so technical and i mean and, I, and i'm not yeah. afraid to say it anymore like i you know you throw all the darts you want at me i don't care anymore but um you know I, it's just it's just gotten out of control it's like they're they're just smart guys want to sound like smart guys i i or they're <laughs> not smart and they want to sound smart i don't know which it is but uh you know i mean i think it's gotten way too over technical in my humble opinion <laughs> no and, I, and and i'm with you because and you know, I, and, you know I, i'm not shy to say it i'm going to i'm going to be 54 on friday so you know i'm i'm old school right i'm i'm alignment sticks and you know where's yep. the you know where's the stick pointing and you know what's the swing path but, you know, when you when you talk about TrackMan and all these sorts of things, you get Smash Factor and, you know, all the – I'm like, what is that? What does that mean? What does that have to do with how I can hit the ball straight? I don't want to go – I don't want to go right in the trees. I don't want to slice. I don't want to pull a hook it. What, you know, all this data, it just – when I see it and I go into, you know, some places where they've got all that sort of stuff, it's kind of neat. You know, it's I see the dashboard of all that sort of stuff and what your spin rate was and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I want to hit the ball straight. Eric, help me hit the ball straight. I, yeah, well, that's what I'm after. Exactly, and you know, above that, we've got to just learn how to hit it in the center of the face. How many of us can't seem to <laughs> hit the ball in the center of the face? Now, you can look at all that nonsense, or you can say, okay, listen, if you let your arm, you form, you go back, you form an angle, you form a 90 degree angle on the backswing. And then you form a straight line with your left arm, the shoulder, left arm, and the shaft on the target side of the golf ball, right? So on the flag side of the golf ball, it can be anywhere from just past it to waist high. If you do that, number one, you're going to start hitting the ball in the center of the face. And number two, if we get rid of all the verticals, the up and downs, the excessive verticals, if we do that, then you hit the ball in the center of the face. Now, it's not very hard, you know, I mean, I, I've told you this story before, but in 2016, I was at Oakmont helping Derek Fathauer out in the U.S. Open. I mean, he was tied for 12th coming in the last round. We worked with him all week. It was a phenomenal week for him. He ended up tied 23rd, made up 100 grand. Uh, for a little journeyman pro, that's a great week, you know. And then my first week at Nemecoan, I taught four beginner golfers, family of four, they never played before, and they got the ball in the air in 10 minutes, and it was like, oh, my God, the ball went in the air. Exactly. And you don't need track man <laughs> to figure that out. You know, it's some stability. Uh-huh. We form an, an angle and then a straight line, and all of a sudden the ball goes in the air, and everyone's happy. You know what I mean? So I, you got to hit the ball in the center of the face. So 
let, let's take that a, a little bit and, and translate it out onto the golf course. When when you, when yep. you're out there with a student or someone like me, and you know now we're doing a playing lesson, right? It's it's more than taking the golf swing from the practice range to the first tee. Talk about strategy. Like, do you talk to your students about okay, what were you thinking there, right? Why did you hit that shot? Where where are you trying to place the ball? Do you talk about strategy and how to play the game of golf when you're out there doing a playing lesson? Absolutely. It's the most important thing that we do, you know, and, and, and unfortunately, so many people are stuck on the range. We're not here at Nemecolin. we got 36 great holes uh, looking to build a par three course um, this next year. I mean, and then a third course in 2021, I mean, we've got a lot of great stuff happening here. So I've got plenty of holes where I take people out all the time. And it's amazing to me, uh, just the little things, Chris. I mean, when you, when you think about where do you tee up on, on the tee box, you know, a lot of people walk right to the middle of the tee box and they hit and they slice it and it goes into the left rough and I, or right rough. And I say, Hey, if you tee over here and you know, you're going to cut it and you tee up on the extreme right-hand side. Now look at how much angle that leaves you for your cut shot to go into the fairway. And they go, oh, wow, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about it. Yep, that's right. And, <laughs> and, I, and I also talk about, uh, you know, and this is something that Jim Flick taught me years ago. I'll never forget it. It's a great story. It's a minute or two, but it's a great story. So in 1995, I was at Shinnecock Hills, and I worked there. I did my last internship. Uh, with the USGA, and I'm watching uh, Jim Flick teach. Um, Jack Nicholas was on the left-hand side, and Tom Lehman was the number one player in the world at the time, and he's teaching them both. And so I saw him at the TaylorMade Invitational. I said, Coach, listen, I was down there. What in the world are you teaching? You, you got Lehman who hooks it, and you got Jack that hits the highest little tiny cut you've ever seen in your life. What were you teaching those two? He goes, I was teaching them the same thing. And I said, Coach, that's BS. There's no way, <laughs> no chance. There's no, you cannot possibly be teaching. And then he goes, well, Mr. Eric. And I, as soon as he said Mr. Eric, I knew I was in trouble. And every time he said that, <laughs> I was like, oh, boy, here it comes. He goes, well, Mr. Eric, let me tell you a little something. I said, oh, here it comes. You know, I was like, and I said, all right, Coach, let me have it. He goes, we're working on not crossing the line. And I said, you mean like with the club at the top? And he goes, Mr. Eric, are you playing with me now? I said, no, coach, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, well, I'm talking about the ball flight. And I said, well, what are you, what are you talking about? And he goes, all right. So we like calm, we, <laughs> we both calm down. We're like, all right. <laughs> they just said, draw a line from, from the, the ball to the, okay. And let's say you're hitting a draw shot. Well, that ball better start to the right of the flag, and it's drawing in, and it doesn't want to cross that line from from where the ball was and to the flag. Because if it does, on a flat surface, where's the what's the ball doing? The ball's getting further away from the hole. And I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you know, like I went to Mississippi State. I, you know, I mean, I said, okay, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. The ball's getting further away from the hole. You don't want to cross the line. He goes, a fader of the golf ball, you want that ball to start to the left of it, and you want it to work towards the hole and not cross the line because now it's, get, again, getting further away from the hole. And that's what I was working on with both of those two. And I thought, wow, okay, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, like that that's something that you can jump in there and say, 
You're right. And 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 the line doesn't always have to be the flag either. I mean, and he he and he yapped at me again. And he said, he goes, how many times do you think Jack crossed the line in '86 when he won the Masters? And I said, uh, I don't know, in 72 holes, uh, probably a lot. And he goes twice, and I went, whoa, okay, wow. that makes a lot of sense. Think about it. Um, if you go through the round, he was on the left side of of number 12. He was left on 13, left of the hole, so Fader wants to be left of it. 14, he was left of it. 15, he made the eagle putt right up the hill. Um, 16, he stuffed it in there for birdie. 17, he was left of it. And 18, he hit it right on the flag and came back off the hill, but uh, never crossed the line. And, you, you know, when you really think about those shots when he shot, I think it was 65 in the final round, I mean, phenomenal, right? incredible. So, you know, I mean – those simple lessons that, you know, we, we take for granted, you know, I mean, where did the ball start? Where did it end up? Did it cross the line? Where are you teeing off? Um, uh, the, it, it, it's amazing, uh, you know, and this is another thing about a playing lesson. I mean, when when I, hit, I have people hit shots and I say, well, how far do you hit that? And they say, let's say it's a nine iron. And they say, uh, well, 135. And I say, well, how far do you carry it? They go, oh, 135. So, well, hold on a second. So, you mean your ball hits and doesn't go at all, ever? It just hits and sticks right there. Well, no, it probably runs out a little bit. Okay, well, how many yards? Because a lot of us don't know that. I mean, I don't care how far you hit your best 9-iron of your life ever. I want a stock 9-iron. How far does it fly? And then one of the biggest things that I've been taught, especially out on tour, was, you know, when it's firm and fast, how far does the ball roll out? Because it's going to, they don't all suck back. I mean, that's not, that's PGA Tour stuff. I mean, that's not normal player stuff. I mean, it normally hits and rolls out five or ten paces. Now, that can be anywhere from 15 to 30 feet. Now, if I'm trying to hold a, hold a shot, I don't want to hit 135 and then go to 145 and now I have a 30-footer. I'd rather hit it. 125, roll it 10 out, and, and have a tap in. So big stuff there on playing lessons. And it's not done enough. I mean, think about it. Golf is the only sport ever that's not practiced on the actual playing conditions, right? You go on a range. Right. It's not a golf course. Like, you're to we got it totally backwards. It's flat lie, everything, everything's the same, beautiful lie. And then you go out on a golf course and we got hills and we got wind and yeah, there's nothing flat out there. Oh, <laughs> Right. But to your point, Eric, right? I think that that you make a, a really good point that not, not enough of us think about because we're not going to hit it perfectly every time. Right. I mean, you yeah, we, we remember that one hero shot that we hit three years ago when who remembers what the playing conditions were like, but my nine iron, which I would typically hit 135, went 150 or whatever, right? We're not exactly. really thinking about that rollout piece, right? So from a strategy perspective, what should we be doing, right? When you talk about how far does it fly versus where does it stop, how how should we be measuring that and how should we be thinking about club selection based on that? Yeah, so you know when I when I go out and and I hit a you know and uh, listen if you're a club player and you're a member at a at a certain club, you know you get the same shots a lot, right? You know, so you hit a shot and you go that was a pretty good one, 
And then I actually walk it out. And someone will start talking to me, and I go, I give them like the, hold on just a second sign, and and just you know you walk out and say, okay, that went exactly 127 in the air, okay, and and I'll I'll walk it out, and 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 I I do that all the time. Now, if you're at some place you've never played before, I try to get a you know a, as quick of an indication as I can, how far did the ball roll out, how far did it fly in the air, all that good stuff. And and you and you gotta you've gotta make sure that you do it as fast as you can. You know what I mean? In golf, you know, if I step on the tee and I cut the first tee shot and I cut the next iron shot, I say to myself, Hey, guess what? I'm playing a cut today and that's what I'm gonna do every <laughs> time. And I mean, uh, seriously, I mean Chris, I mean I've played in tour events, I played in the Canadian Open and I got on the first tee thinking I was gonna hit a you know, perfect draw. I hit a high right, and I said, "Guess what? I'm going to slice it today." And I mean, I hit slices, and um, I, and I'm not kidding. I mean, it curved a lot, you know. But you got to go with what you got that day, and you got to figure it out quick. And and I think the guys that can self-assess, and I don't mean guys in general, guys and girls. I mean, the people that can self-assess. I mean, those are the people that are going to win. I'll, I'll never forget it. Watch. Michelle McGann played down on IBIS one year. <clears throat> Michelle and I were friendly, and, you know, we, my wife Hannah and I were, were friends, and we went and watched her play in a tournament, a tour event, LPGA tour event one day. And back in the days, Michelle could hit it a mile high. I mean, that's why she won. She could she could bomb it, and she hit it straight up in the air. Now, we're, they were playing at IBIS, and it was blowing about 30. <clears throat> I'm not kidding. It, it was blowing so hard, the sand was flying out of the bunkers. If it hit you, it would hurt. You know what I mean? It was blowing hard. Wow. And I thought, wow. I mean, so she's hitting this thing up in the air, and her dad, Bucky's there, and, you know, it's, oh, great shot. I'm like, great shot. That thing went nine miles in the air, and now it's 50 yards to the right of the green. And, I mean, it, it, I said, uh, do you know how to hit it low? I mean, like, that's, that's shot isn't going to work today. I mean, it went straight up. I, I couldn't believe how high she could hit it. I mean, it was, she was amazing and she won a bunch and, but I just don't think she knew how to manipulate the ball. It's everything she hit went straight in the air and they said, Oh, great shot. Great shot. Shit. That's, you know, 30 yards to the right of the green or, you know, what are you talking about? Great shot. It would look beautiful, but it doesn't play, you know, so you got to kind of, figure out how to play too you know you've got to make that ball go high and low i'll never forget it in 2007 when i watched tiger after he shot 69 at uh, oakmont in the third round there was not one golf shot that he hit on the range that looked the same they were low they were high they were hooks they were draws they were fades they were cuts i mean i've never seen anything like it i mean but then we try to stand on the range and hit the same shot every time that that to me also does not make sense. All right, so you bring up Tiger, so we <clears> got to <throat> talk about the Masters. What what's your wow. thoughts? What do you, what did you think about what you saw this weekend? Well, you know, we've talked about this a bunch. You know, this is our thirteenth time, and you know, I, I've always said I was not sure that he would do it again. But it's really hard to bet against that guy. And I mean, and I, and, you know, winning the tour championship last year, and you could see he was close in the British, and he was close in a couple majors. And now, you know, to come back and, you know, now 
all these all these young guys say, oh, yeah, I want to play against Tiger. Oh, really? How do you like it now? You probably don't like it all that much, you know? Uh, um, uh, so he's pretty tough. And, uh, you know, I listen, I, 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 you can go back and forth on Tiger on some of the things he's done in his personal life and, and but you got to commend him on what he's done in his professional career. Uh a lot of people I personally think a lot of people would have just rolled up in a ball and gone away, you know, and he said what 13 surgeries, all the all the things that had happened in his career and his life and and to see him come back and win and my god, look at the look at the look at the ratings, look at I mean, he turns the, the needle like nobody in the game. Um, it it is is remarkable. Now Jim Nance tried to make him cry in the Butler cabin, but he didn't do it. But um, you know, <laughs> but, but when you think about the whole thing from '97 or no, what was it 1997 when he won this first one, and now right. 23 years later, and you go, wow. I mean, now you you're looking at hugging your father, who's no longer there. And then you look at now I'm hugging my children that have never seen me win a major, and you go, wow, like that's like some heavy stuff. I can't believe he held it together, but um, I think he, Jim, I think he knew Jim Nance was coming after him, trying to make him cry on TV. But you know, but wow, I mean, it, it, it's remarkable. I mean, to think that he has come yeah. back from what he has done in his life and his career and the surgeries and the different swing coaches and and this is no front page news i mean with you and i i've been highly critical of all the swing coach changes you know you're the number one player in the world by a zillion miles and you say i want to get better and i'm going to do a new coach and then i don't win for 18 months and then i Try a new coach, and then this one's a flop, and that one's a, ah, come on. It's like Coca-Cola. It's great. Everybody buys it. Why change the formula? You know what I mean? It's, it, you know, so I don't know. I mean, right. like, I, I get a little confused by, hmm, some of that. And it, and I, I still believe that he got too enamored with, like, I'm going to listen to some smart guy tell me how smart he is, and I know the secret. And uh, No, you don't. Just hit it solid, hit it straight, hit it down, hit it where you're looking. You know what I mean? Uh, so, but wow, I, you know, what can you say? I, It's fascinating to me. And And you know what? This might be the floodgate that makes him. I never thought he'd get Jack's record, especially after all the stuff. And now I'm going like, man, I, he might break it. Like this year, I you know I don't know. I mean, I tie it this year. I might win them all. I don't know. I, I the guy is amazing. He's he's truly amazing. And I don't think those young guys really knew what Tiger looked like coming down the stretch. And now they do, and I'm sure they're probably going, man. I kind of wish he would have retired. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, Eric. Just a couple more before I let you go. And I got my annual yeah. buddy trip coming up next week, so I I need a couple of pieces of advice and. Around the short pitch shots, you know, 20, 30 yards, you know, short of the green, around the green, that sort of thing. Talk about club selection and uh, where you want to land the ball based on the club that you choose. Yeah, so short pitches are, you know, often overlooked. If you hit a bad one, your friends have said three things. They're going to say you got wristy, 
they're going to say you mood, and they're going to say you mood your head. I want all three of those to happen. You got to set angle on the backswing. You know, you have to set wrist angle. You you can't go back and not set it because you're gonna your body's gonna react on the other side. So set some angle. Let your arm go to a straight line. Let your chest come up and through it. Let it come up. Your chest is the slowest moving thing we got. Your legs are ballistic. Your hips are ballistic. Your arms are ballistic. Your chest isn't ballistic. It's pretty slow. So you let the chest kind of do that. Now, depending on what shot you have. Now we're going to look for, you know, is it a 56-degree wedge? Is it a 60-degree wedge? I have a 64-degree wedge in my bag. When I get nervous, I get fast. So I, the most loft I have on a club and I get a little fast, the ball pops up a little bit, I get away with it. So um, I don't recommend that for everybody, but that's, for me, it, it works out. But, you know, I always try to look at where I want to land it. And then what do I want the ball to do? Do I need it to stop immediately or do I need it to run out a little bit? If you're running it out a little bit, you can put it back in your stance just a touch. You know, don't go to heck with a joke. Don't put it all the way behind your back foot. But, you know, a little middle of the stance, just a hair back of middle, and that will run out a little bit more. If I want a little higher, I put it up in the stance and I lean the handle back a little bit, and that will stop it, you know, pretty quickly. So that's, uh, you know, set a little wrist angle. Let it go to a straight line. Let your chest softly turn forward. Let your head come up with it. See it. Don't, you know, those people that stop their body and their chest, then their hands go flying through. And that's most of what I see those people say, I've got the yips. No, it's your body, your chest is stopping, and then your hands keep going. So if you can keep your chest moving forward, you're going to hit great pitch shots. And that's when you say, a promise. When you say straight line, talk. What do you mean straight line? Straight line with what? Yeah. Am I, am I straight line with my with my left arm? Am I straight line with the club angle? What straight line? Perfect. Thanks for asking. Uh, that you're going to create an angle on the backswing, and then on the target side of the golf ball, your left shoulder, your left arm, and the club shaft will form a straight line on the target side of the ball after the ball. And it can be anywhere from just after the ball to your waist high. I mean, I don't care where it forms a straight line, but it has to be on the target side, the flag side, the the whole side of of, of the golf ball. It can't form a, a straight line behind the ball because now your arms are going to fold up and you're going to skull it or chunk it. Okay, so it's got to be left shoulder, left arm, club shaft, and a straight line after target side of the golf ball on that side, on the flag side of the golf ball. Eric, you're the best, my friend. Let our listeners know, and, and, and you're the world's worst at tweeting. I got to tell you, I, I keep looking for you to do a tweet on something, but I can never find you. Horrend- on I am horrendous. <laughs> on I'm so bad. I'm so bad. Someone else, someone else hit me with that the other day, and I said, guys, I am sorry. I'm, I'm. I, listen, I'll be 50 in a couple of years, and I, you know, there's. This stuff's getting past me. My lead instructor keeps telling me I got to Instagram. I got to do all this. I'm trying. I Instagram Eric Johnson Golf. <laughs> I think my Twitter thing is Eric Johnson Golf. My Facebook hey, Eric man. Johnson Golf. It's all it's all that nonsense. I you know that other girl that was on before is she's oh it's this and spelled her Eric Johnson Golf. Pretty you know whatever. But I I'm promising you I'm gonna go. Let's go Pens. Let's go Steelers. <laughs> I don't know. Chris, there if you, you don't go. get 
if you don't get to Nemecon soon, I'm going to come through this cord and find you and pull you to Nemecon, okay? you got an invitation to stay at my house and you. everything, and you're going to have 36 great holes of Pete Dye Championship Golf. Listen, Chris, I'm going to be offended if you don't come and see me soon. I, dude, I know. I'm trying. Just like you're trying to get out on social media, I'm trying to figure I, out a way I, to get I, I'm telling you, I'm going to do it. we got a huge... We got a huge ad campaign going with KDK and Bob Pompiani here in in Pittsburgh, uh, so we're gonna flood the market with Nemecolon and golf tips all 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 year. And I'm gonna put I promise I'm gonna Instagram and tweet and whatever and Facebook all that stuff and uh, you know just you know I promise you I'm gonna do it. Yep. All right. All right. You're the best, my friend. I can't thank you enough for your time tonight. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Number fourteen can't get here fast enough. You're the best. Well. You're the best, and I can't thank you enough for having me and the most prepared man I've ever, ever, ever talked to in my life on the radio. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you, pal. I appreciate you. All right, man. Take care. All the best to you and your family. You too. That's the great Eric Johnson, Eric Johnson Golf, and uh, hopefully we get more of him on social media. But ericjohnsongolf.com is his website. Got a lot of great videos and tips on there. I highly recommend it. Eric's just fantastic. You heard. So we look forward to getting Eric back on the show again, hopefully real soon. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the T. I want to send out my sincere thanks to Natalie Sherry and Eric Johnson for joining me tonight. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page on Facebook, Next on the T with Chris Mascaro. Share your feedback there. Plus, if you've got a question for one of my future guests or one of my previous guests, and you can check out our, our, uh, our guest uh, schedule right there on our website, nextonthetea.net. So go on there, check it out. If you got a question, let me know. You can put it right there in the comments on our Facebook page. Be glad to get that question answered for you. Folks, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night and uh, being a part of the show as well and for listening as you have. It means a great deal to us. Can't thank you enough for making us part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. on the tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Tuesday to hear more stories about the game we love from people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Hey, sandwich lovers. Today is your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacy and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner.